0: I still don't do well walking in the dark. I've been walking now for, well, 44 years. After one Sunday night service, we were in Florida. I was walking out of the sanctuary through the foyer and out the front door. The double sanctuary doors led directly into the foyer, which led directly to the double doors outside. I had walked that way hundreds of times. I'd already turned off the lights in the sanctuary, and then somebody else had dutifully turned off all the lights in the foyer. And the sun and the sunshine state had already clocked out for the day, so there was no natural light pouring into the foyer through those double-glass doors. I had to remember, okay, there's a chair on the right, and then there's a small table on the left. If I steer clear of the right side, steer clear of the left side, I should be fine. Just stay in the middle. If I walk in the middle, I'm home free to make my way home. I stayed as close to the middle as possible, to keep from hitting the chair on the right side, the table on the left, that I forgot all about the glass table with the gorgeous, expensive floral centerpiece right in the middle of the foyer. I walked right into it. My quads said hello to the glass tabletop. I hit the table so hard it shook the centerpiece, nearly knocked the tabletop onto the floor, and nearly shattered the vase that held that floral centerpiece. That was darkness and furniture I could feel. I learned no matter how well I knew the room, I still need light to walk through it. Merry Christmas, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry and you're listening to the Isaiah 9 Promise on Simplify. I can't see them, but I know they're there, right outside the gates. Last night I walked close to the city wall, the only thing that keeps their swords out of our starving city. But for how long? How long until they find a weakness in our wall and they storm the city? Pastor Isaiah promised God would deliver us from Israel and from Syria, but we'll still have to deal with the ruthless Assyrians. Last night, I could hear the enemy troops talking in their tents just on the other side of that wall. They're laughing at us. I could even hear a few of them eating and drinking. We haven't had a bite or a sip for a few days now because they've cut off our food and water supply. They're starving us out. A few times, I nearly broke apart the bars and ran out to them to surrender. I was going to die of hunger anyway. Maybe they would let me live, and maybe they wouldn't, but I had to take the chance. I almost made a run for it, just for one slice of bread. Their soldiers sound so strong and so healthy, and my family is fading day after day. Inside our walls, our army walks around aimlessly. I can see their fear, and I can hear their fury. They walk past the palace and shake their fists at the king, and they even shake their fists at God. They curse the king. They curse God. But they don't have any answers. Neither does the king. They're hopeless. We're hopeless. Everyone is looking for answers, but all we find are more questions and deeper darkness. How long will the siege last? How long will we last? Will the Assyrians attack tomorrow and get it over with? Or will they starve us out just another day just because they can? The longer the siege, the longer the list of questions, the deeper the darkness. It used to be so bright, so light, and now it's so dark. All the lights are off. Even the sun appears to hide its face from us. We've walked a long time within the walls of this city, but I don't know how to walk in this darkness. Pastor keeps telling us to look to God, but that's hard to do when we can't hear him and we certainly can't see him. Some in Jerusalem are starting to ask witches and wizards what they should do. Others are running to the cemeteries to get answers from the dead for the questions for the living. But they only come back with even more questions. Such was the state of the union of the nation of Judah during the days Isaiah prophesied. But it wouldn't be like that forever. Not long after Isaiah wrote chapter 8, the king of Assyria defeated the kings of Syria and Israel just as God promised. Then the Assyrian king Sennacherib and his ruthless hordes set their sinister sights on Judah. They pulled a play from the trusted playbook and they set up a siege against Judah. They cut off Jerusalem's food and water supply. It looked like Judah would fall, just like Israel and Syria fell. But God had other plans. Isaiah smiled as he picked up his pen and wrote what we know as Isaiah 9 verse 1. Good news, God's people. This time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Isaiah motioned with his hand and drew a map of Judah's sister Israel and the heir. He circled two tribes near the north, closest to Assyria. When Assyria comes busting through, Zebulun and Naphtali will be the first two tribes to fall. That's the bad news. Sure enough, those two tribes fell first, just like Isaiah foretold. When Assyria marched, they first planted their flags inside the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. Over the years, because Assyria had lived there, that region in Israel had become so hated. Israel's enemies brought their idol worship and their unbridled sin, and they lived in those cities in Israel. Streets that were once filled with worship to God and righteousness before God were now filled with gross sin and wickedness, and all of it was happening in the Holy Land. It was so wicked it was nicknamed the Galilee of the Gentiles. Life in Zebulun and Naphtali was about as dark as it could possibly get. There was no light because there was no man of God who heard a word from God to preach to the people of God because there was no one seeking God. As the sun set on the Old Testament, Israel and the rest of the world stumbled into 400 years of darkness known as the 400 silent years, not so much as a match to give the faintest light to that dark region in Israel. For those 400 years, God did not speak a word to his people, and few of his people spoke a word to him. The prophet's words came true. The people, God's people, lived in deep, deep darkness. But suddenly, after 400 years of silence to a dark and despairing world, God broke the silence and pierced the darkness when he dispatched an angel of light from heaven to earth. Gabriel, come here. It's time for me to break the silence and pierce the darkness. I want you to deliver a message to my people in Israel. Yes, Lord, right away, straight to Jerusalem, no doubt. No, not Jerusalem. I want you to go to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a young girl named Mary. But Lord, Nazareth is wicked. Nazareth is located in the tribe of Zebulun. It doesn't get much darker than Nazareth. You remember its nickname, I'm sure, Galilee of the Gentiles. There are no world leaders, no religious leaders, no movers, no shakers in Nazareth. And you know there are so many Marys around, they really should start using last names, at least name tags, to keep them apart. Don't you want me to go to Jerusalem where the religious are? Nobody in Nazareth deserves to hear this message. God smiled as he remembered his promise through Isaiah 700 years earlier that the region of Nazareth in the tribe of Zebulun that was so undeserving and so dark would one day be filled with God's glorious light. So God broke the silence and sent Gabriel to Nazareth to a young lady named Mary engaged to a young man named Joseph to tell her and him that Mary was going to bring forth a son. And you will call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Nine months later, God in flesh took his first breath in a little burg called Bethlehem. Joseph paid the innkeeper for their humble stable suite, and Mary and Joseph brought Jesus home to introduce him to their family and friends in the small city of Nazareth in the region known as Zebulun. And light had never shone brighter in Nazareth. When Jesus turned 30, he set up his first pulpit and preached his first gospel masterpiece, no surprise, right out of Isaiah, right in Nazareth, sandwiched between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. But they had been around Jesus for 30 years. They thought they knew Joseph's son. At least that's what some called him, but Many of them still remembered Mary wasn't fully married when Jesus was born. Many in Nazareth didn't believe Jesus was Joseph's son, and they were right. But none believed Jesus was God's son. That's where they were wrong. After his first sermon, they didn't believe him, so he moved his headquarters to Capernaum and shone light in darkness in a city called Capernaum, a city located in the region deeded to the tribe of, of Naphtali. Jesus didn't owe Zebulun or Naphtali anything. He didn't owe Nazareth anything. He didn't owe Capernaum anything. But he was keeping good on a 700 year promise that one day, regions known as Zebulun and Naphtali, that would be so dark, it would be considered more Gentile than Jewish. But one day, it would take 700 years, but one day, the brightest light would shine because within Nazareth would live a man named Jesus who came as God in human flesh. He came to bring his glorious light to our deepest darkness. If God could bring light to Nazareth and Capernaum, to the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, who had nothing to look forward to, God can bring light to you. Where there is deep darkness, he wants to and will bring glorious light. And here's all that changed. Here's what shone light into darkness. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. When Jesus comes into our life, he brings light into our darkness, healing for our sickness, answers for our questions, peace to our chaos, love to our hatred, hope to our despair, forgiveness for our sins, salvation for our soul. We know he is Jesus. But Isaiah just lowered his pen, lifted his eyes, and wrote, And the world will call him wonderful. This would be a great time to just praise God and thank him that he came to our darkness and brought glorious light. Jesus, we love you. You didn't owe us anything. We don't deserve the goodness and the grace you have shown us. Because of our sin, we deserve hell, and you brought heaven to earth. Thank you, God. Thank you for your incarnation, for everything this season represents. Thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for coming to Nazareth. Thank you for being born in Bethlehem. Thank you for ministering in Capernaum. Thank you, God, for coming to those regions and areas that were so hated, so rejected, so despairing, and you changed them. Change us, Lord. Bring light to our darkness, hope to our hopelessness, I pray. For everyone listening, whatever they're dealing with and going through, God, I pray you would bring glorious light in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you, simplified listeners. I hope you and yours have a very Merry Christmas this season. hope you get everything you're hoping for, but if you get nothing you're hoping for, I hope You see Jesus as wonderful. And next week, I want to share with you one final episode of 2023 and also share with you where we are in the states and province race. I really haven't brought this up very much, but as we get ready to close out this year, there is but a hairbreadth difference in the downloads between Texas and my state of nativity, Ohio. In fact, Texas leads Ohio by two downloads. That's over the course of the entire year. So Ohio, you still have one week to continue to download Simplify and bring Ohio above Texas to finish out the year. Now we take a look at the provinces from our neighbor to the north, Canada, and Ontario has a sizable lead over Manitoba, who has a marginal lead over Quebec. So those are the provinces and the most downloads. But around the world, I want to thank, of course, the U.S., and then Canada, and then our friends from down under, Australia, who have been listening to Simplify. So really, the the heat of the race comes from the U.S. and the two states that are right there at the top. Texas and Ohio, and then Missouri is coming in at a close third, but Texas and Ohio are right there neck and neck. So this is a great chance for the Buckeye State to beat the the Lone Star State. Let's see how all that plays out over the course of this last week. Here on Simplify, it's been a joy to have you all year long. Looking forward to sharing our final episode with you next week, and always look forward to walking closer with our Jesus as we walk in his glorious light through Simplify.